Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damian Abraham, and your other host is that football-playing, cockney-reject-loving Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. You know, you know what? This week, I had to record the intro to Turned Out of Punk twice because uh-huh. at first, I introduced this Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. <laughs> yeah, we're so all-encompassing. It's taking over. It's taking over, and uh, and also uh, I'm not getting enough sleep. That's the other thing I took out of that. But you know, that's yes, that's what can... happens when you got these kids. True. I don't have kids. I'm not getting sleep either. So you and me both, we're uh, we're burning at both ends this week. Well, it's nice to know that if I had used birth control, I'd still be in the same situation. So, <laughs> yep, um, it's coming up no sleep all around, uh, which is great because who could sleep when there's so much great punk to talk about? Yes, always. We've got, we got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, this is, uh, as we we're just talking about off air, probably one of, uh, I, well, I've been saying this, like, this is one of the episodes that, this is the reason I made this whole podcast. Like, this is the reason I wanted to do Turn Out of Punk is because episodes like this, where you, you start off thinking you're going to be talking about one thing with someone and end up talking about something completely different that's totally mind-blowing in its own way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You you were you were like whatever uh, anticipating this one to me too, and I I always know it's going to be a decent one when you're sort of saying what you are. But I I, I got to admit I'm not wasn't intimately familiar with him. I knew of some of the bands, but um, yeah, great interview. Yeah, like he's one of those like a really awesome person. I'm glad I became friends with too, but also just someone that uh, you know like you know like had a like a, a totally unbelievably respectable, awesome career as a recording musician, but like then this whole awesome kick-ass past that went unrecorded. Yeah. As well. Um, and I mean, recorded onto, to vinyl or tape. It's recorded onto here. Yeah. It's footnotes material. If any footnotes material, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, this was right. When he was, when I was doing this one, I'm like this episode, have we even said who it is yet? No, I don't think I have Brad Logan. (laughs) This is when I was interviewing Brad Logan. From F minus and in leftover crack and exploding fuck dolls and Equus and AASBO youth and and just like truly uh you know and black noise recordings and and just like a, a renaissance uh, person of music. But uh, when I was doing this one, I was like, oh boy, Chris and I are gonna have a lot of fun with this episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, speaking of this episode, before we can get to this episode, we got to get to the bummer news, which we always seem to have to talk about, which is, uh, unfortunately a, a recent passing. Um, uh, Chris, do we want to yeah. get to this? Yeah, let's get yeah, to this sure and then we'll get into all the other stuff after this thing. Yeah, we have, uh, well, two, pre- two another pressing thing to mention as well, but to start off, uh, we're notified by our lovely Norwegian correspondent, um, um, Kel, that, uh, sort of classic old punk Garrett Meyer of the Berlin punk band B- PVC died. Um, it looks to be about a week ago now. So yeah, it was sort of in between our, our cycle. Um, but yeah, so, um, and as Damien can attest, uh, they have an excellent first LP mm-hmm. and sort of a classic, I, I'm assuming first wave punk band sort of can't think of, personally things in berlin that are well it's 82 maybe there was something a little earlier but either way in that in that run of bands 
Yeah, like I thought they might have started before <clears throat> they recorded that first record. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe I'm just confusing. No, they did. They had a, they had this thing. That, that's what I was thinking of. They had this a, an LP that came out later on. That was like uh, recordings from seventy seven to seventy seven. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, um, but you know, I think they that definitely known for that eighty two period, and yeah, like just kind of a, a a classic punk band. I believe they were comped. Maybe I'm wrong. No, they weren't comped. I thought they were comped on a, a like one of the bootleg compilations, like a Killed by Death or something. But certainly, have been on a lot of different compilations over the years themselves, and. Uh, yeah, it's story inside of here about their passing. Incognito did a great job of reissuing some of their stuff, so uh, track that down and check out uh, a great uh, German band. For sure. Um, and I guess we have other uh, not-so-great news to get to, but uh, something we can do about it, uh, which is uh, there's the uh, recently that a Johnny Cat of the Chemicals and Johnny Cat Records has been diagnosed with cancer and there's uh, some benefit shows going along for him in Portland right now. And with that, there's also a GoFundMe page. So uh, we should click on the GoFundMe page. Who sent this in, Chris? Do you know? Uh, it's Nathan, a uh, regular listener uh, from my neck of the woods. Lovely man. And uh, yeah, he, he notified us of this. Um, it's GoFundMe.com slash Johnny Cat, but it's spelled J-O-N-N-Y-C-A-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to put it on the Facebook page, of course. Um, they've not reached their goal. It's a pretty large goal. Um, so just, yeah, um, if you can donate, of course, uh, we would uh, highly recommend it. But uh, there's a, yeah, and if you're in, of course, the Portland area, I'm sure you know about some of the things going on. But there are a number of benefit shows listed on the actual GoFundMe page. Um I just want to see ones that have not passed yet. Uh, but the big one looks to be... Where is that one? Anyway, apparently, I don't see it on here. Well, there's a big... There's a big yeah, I guess that's the one that's happening on April 1st. It says, big show uh, at TBD, top secret. You'll want to fly to Portland for this, it says. Yeah. So this must be the one they've now, I guess, subsequently announced. Yeah. Right, which is yeah. the one we've got listed here. Yeah, the, the main page has a bunch of other ones, but basically, it, the uh, from what the email says here to us, and also from what I think the email's found there, um, it is uh, at least alleged that the observers are doing a reunion, which is amazing. Yeah. Great, great man. Fantastic uh, the, man. The Spitz and the Clorox Girls, uh, actually all great bands. Um, and Clorox and Girls are doing a reunion, because I don't think they've been playing Yeah, I didn't know if they were, they were around yet, or like still or not, but... Um, but those, uh, I've never seen the Spits myself, actually, but uh, Clarus Girls and Observer is both really excellent live bands as well, and of course, great records. Um, the Observers um, being one of my favorites of that era, personally. First LP, talk about first LPs, that first LP is outstanding, the, the Observers one. Yeah, I think it's like one of the uh, the great LPs of the era. Yeah. You know, like for... for um that time period, like, you know, that was a band that I, I'm, you know, we played with them, I guess only the yeah. one time in Toronto. Yeah, that was a, that was a great performance. That was like that night, that show was great. It was at Cinecycle, Toronto. It's funny, Chris, for me, that's remembered as one of the 
The night that nearly broke up fucked up. Okay, well, I don't know the inside uh, baseball. I just think like, as a spectator, it was a great, great gig. We're kind of going movie. off the off the uh, rails here. I yes. just want to make yeah. that Johnny Johnny Ket Harbin. Uh, obviously, our thoughts are with you and your family. And uh, the again, we're going to put that up in the Facebook for people to donate. And of course, go to that show. And uh, if we were free and able, certainly I would be going. But I don't think I'll be able to make it. Yeah, and I anyway. and, and I uh, I've met Johnny a few times, and so I'm going to be contributing because this is a uh, you know certainly you know like you know it's 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 really sad that you have to hear about this stuff happening all the time. But I think it's great that we live in a uh, a scene in a community where you can reach out and support and help you know your yes. friends and and people around you and and people that you know you've been touched by their music or, or stuff they put out and or yeah, help totally. And there has been a, an incredible amount of support already. Again, there's still a, a great deal needed, but it's just good to show that, or it goes to show that what Damien's sentiment just said is rings very, very true. Um, so yeah, it's nice to uh, nice to see, and hopefully it will continue. Yeah. Um, so I guess now we'll get into the show. Um, starting with, uh, if you would like to get in touch with us over here at Turned Out a Punk HQ. You can find us over at DamianAbraham.com. There's an email address there. I believe it's turned out a punk podcast at gmail.com, but I'm not 100% sure. Just go over there and check. And you can also check past our <laughs> episodes. Uh, you can also find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. You can support this show by going over to iTunes. And if you use iTunes, if you don't use iTunes, don't go over to it. But if you do, do this. Go over there. Subscribe to this thing, rate it, and write a review, please, if you enjoy yes. it. And if you don't enjoy it, well, then why are you listening? Just don't, don't listen. Um, <laughs> and also, if you would like to find us on Facebook, there's a Facebook page run by my long-suffering brother, Tristan Abraham. As I mentioned in the intro of this episode, he and I are in the midst of a record trade. And let me tell you, nothing cuts through blood faster than vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a really funny way of putting that and it worked but uh yeah, yeah. i'm curious i don't know if you want to mention publicly but i'm if uh, if not off air i'm very curious as to what this trade consists of uh i'll tell you off air okay I'll tell you off air. it's, a, it's <laughs> so, just too sorry, too sordid to go into <laughs> yeah. it on air um, yeah. requires too many it's like trades upon trades upon trades at this point but gotcha anyway it's also you know it's like bringing up long buried past trade grudges and <laughs> well if you guys need a mediator i would <laughs> have to go through a mediator yeah uh uh and if you don't use facebook you can go over to turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com we post stuff on those facebook pages like we'll be posting of course that johnny cat go fund me and we're mentioning that for uh, a while now so you know Hopefully you'll get a chance to go over there and, and support that. If you didn't hear us when we were talking about it two minutes ago, but I don't know how yeah. you missed that because we were talking about it for a while and you're listening to a podcast. So it's not like, anyway. Um, so you can find us on turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com. And if you would like to contact us here at this show, how do they do that, Chris? Uh, well, we are reached here at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com and, um, we frequently have – it seems to be that we're going to be having mailbag editions. Is that correct, Damien? I, th I think so because we're going to – we get a lot of great mail and I think maybe once a month uh, we should try and do like a mailbag 
episode to kind of clear it out and, and, and it also gives us a chance to hang out. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, that's, that's an idea that just came right now on the air. So it hasn't been run by anyone. So. <laughs> that's how we do things. <laughs> that's how we do things. We just say it on the air and hope that it comes real. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, this weekend, Chris, what's becoming real? Uh, I believe you're referring to the Turned Out of Punk Live in Kingston, Ontario. That's right. You and me road tripping to Kingston, Ontario. We are doing a, a live Turned Out of Punk with Nirvana, the band, the show. They're going to be screening that episode. I'm going to be talking to them. And then we'll be kind of, I guess, seamlessly rolling in Turned Out of Punk. Cool. And we have some cool guests. We maybe have some guests coming in from, uh, from the, uh, the information superhighway too. Uh, we have <laughs> in studio guests too. Don't worry. It's not just going to be Chris and I. Um, but also surprise, Chris is going to be there too. It's not just going to be me. At one point it might have just been me, which would have been really, oy, oy, oy. No it would have been fine. You're, you're being silly here, but yes, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm desired to be there. Oh, I definitely need you there, buddy. I need you. I need no, you. I... It's like, you know, I'm like the Chewbacca to your Han Solo. <laughs> it might be the other way around. I, well, well, you, you got know. a full head of hair and I'm really hairy on my body. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, but yeah, so we, we're going to be, we're going to be holding it down, uh, as it were with Nirvana, the band, the show. And it's, I'm, I'm really excited. Kingston. Um, it's, it's truly the city where I have never found a record when I've been there, but I'm going to make that, I'm going to change that this time. Well, if anything, uh, as we learned on the last tour, uh, will force that to happen. It's certainly turned out a punk rolling through town. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm going to get that. There's actually a tragically hit bootleg live seven inch that I've been looking for. So nice. Actually, we that. might as well put it out there too. Like anyone in the area that's coming out, like, yeah, we love records. Bring us records. If you, uh, if you got some stuff to bring as gifts, we love it. Yeah. And also if anyone has any information about Kingston punk, yes, early Kingston punk, you know what? Reach out to the show. We'd, I'd love to have you on as a guest because that is one area, one area. There's many areas, but that is one area that I'm specifically interested in tackling right now that I'm really lacking in knowledge about. Yes, and also spots to go buy records would be lovely too. Oh, we can get those from Ewan. Ewan's been telling me for a while now about some okay. record spots there. But like, I just can't think of, you know, like there's not like a. I, I, like, I can't think of who the sons of Ishmael to Meaford or the, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Mr. Nobody is to, uh, yeah. what's the one above Port Hope? Coburg. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Who's, who's that band in Kingston? I don't know. Batskin. It was bad. Batskin's from Kingston. I don't think they were. I think they were from. Mm -mm. I think they were. Cause I remember playing there. And the singer of Badskin came up to me and showed me his pink eye tattoo. Yeah. I thought they were like, they all lived in Toronto, though, when that band was going, didn't they? Yeah, I think they moved to Toronto. I think oh, that's when okay. they were like younger kids. Yeah. I'm an, we're yeah. an old man band now, Chris. <laughs> it was yeah, like generations a... like of, of people. Like I've watched people yeah. grow up. This is yeah, very true. Very true. I felt a lot of that this weekend. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah, you went on tour. Tell, wait, before we get into the whole show, 
<laughs> Tell us about your road dogging experience, buddy. Yeah, I did. It uh, wasn't really like, I guess, traditional touring because I it was basically coming home, but it was shows every night for whatever, four four nights. But uh, yeah, I went You didn't on, have any overnights? No, we didn't. Uh, we, we probably could have. We did London and we probably could have stayed, but we just opted to come home for, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever reason. But anyways, uh, uh, Ancient Shapes, which is a sort of a new band that a lot of people are uh, maybe not familiar with, but it's Dan Romano's uh, new project for those who are maybe fans of Attack in Black or um, his solo stuff, any of that. Uh, and uh, it's really great. Uh, and uh, it was kind of a classic. It had like almost a 50, well, maybe not 50, but... Uh, Ian from Attack in Black was also Ian. Sorry, not Dan's brother, Ian. Ian uh, Kehoe was oh, also Kehoe's there too. There. Yeah, the lineup is was really cool. I mean, the record's really great. Obviously, the band's really great in my opinion, uh, and I think most I, in my opinion will, too. I, I yeah. back you on that. No, it's really good. I think I think people will dig it. Yeah, but it was a limited run of shows, so it was really kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was great. It's just uh, yeah, everyone kind of there. I'm just trying to think if there was anybody older than me. I don't think there was. Well, I mean, there was people, some people older than me that we, we encountered, but like the whole tour was like the old man. Uh, but yeah, uh, in a good way, I guess. But yeah, I know what you, that's what I mean by saying like you're saying I watch people grow up. Like yeah, in that case, big time. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was really great, and I recommend people go check out Ancient Shapes big time. Uh, the record is excellent, and uh, yeah, shows were awesome. Do you have record shopping at all on that tour? No, I didn't really, we didn't really, no, I didn't really get to, I, I, uh, there were some records like obviously at the shows, but nothing, uh, I didn't really get to see. I actually, I shouldn't say that I did in Toronto, but nothing that was particularly that I wouldn't do normally. I bought the new shit record, which I also recommend to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the another band backed former guest. Yeah. Former guest, Greg Benedetto. Uh, I think it was. Did you do any of the other band members? I guess not. Anyway, no, I've been talking to a couple about coming on, so hopefully soon. But yeah, it's, it's, the uh, new seven inches on uh, La Vida S and Must. It just came out. It's great. If you like shit, you'll you'll dig it. But yeah, that's about the only thing I really kind of went out of my way to get. I didn't really get a chance to to really record shop. Well, that's good. That's you know that's going to change in Kingston, buddy. Hopefully, I'm I'm ready. When I when I. Uh... You know, it's going to be all about fast food and records. That's what it's, <laughs> that's what life on the road's like. Hey, so be it. And also, we're going to be in Ontario, so dabs too. <laughs> well, that's your <sighs> territory. Just uh, that one is, uh, is lost on me. I know, I know. But for me, Chris, it's going to be this is going to be a guy. Everyone, if you saw Turnitin Punk alive on the live legs of the tour. You haven't seen Turn Into Punk live yet. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. It's gonna be live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but on to uh, more pressing kind of uh, stuff at hand than our upcoming road trip and your past road trip. We yeah. better get into this mailbag, Chris. Yes, uh, I guess one thing really quick, if you don't oh. mind me. Yeah, please. Not going away. Um, have as fucked up on the tour on the tour on the shows. One of the shows we play, we play at Call the Office. Is fucked up ever played there? Yeah, absolutely, an incredible venue. Yeah, but uh, why I bring it up in the footnotes context is uh, because I it was weirdly my first time there, um, which doesn't make any sense. I that is like, really weird. Yeah, but I I don't tend to go to London for a lot of shows mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But um, anyway, I was really impressed with the like ephemera that was all over the walls. 
and the venue does a really great job of like cataloging. They had like all their um, monthly show, uh, whatever you want to say, um, like every month what they've been doing on a calendar on different calendars from like '95 forward. There might have even been earlier stuff. So it was like a perfect footnote venue because I was looking at everything and like <laughs> crazy old like old shows and like they have great like eight by tens all over the wall like weird signed ones. I was getting good photos of that stuff. So um, it's a great one and, for that. Yeah, it's a it's a cool venue to check out if you're in town for sure. I know London people already know this and and it probably sounds redundant, but I was really impressed with that. So anyway, I thought it suited the show to mention. Anyway, mailbag time. Mailbag time, but no, you're right. That is that is one of the the great venues, and and certainly a uh, a, a venue that I don't know. I guess it like, you know, like it it understands the importance of of history. Yeah, and it I was mean, it was really refreshing to see, and and like, I, I mean, it was just there was a lot of cool stuff on that wall, like on those walls. I mean, I was I couldn't. Even not like I couldn't even find it all. <laughs> there was that much, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I was just really impressed. So um, if you're ever there and playing, or if you're ever in town, go. I recommend going. Just even look at the walls, frankly, if you're into this kind of stuff, because it's got a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely. Uh, it definitely a cool venue and worth going to. Yeah. Um, so uh, sorry, Chris. As, as we were talking about off air, apparently Alexa on Fire did do. A surprise set last night with Billy Talent. What? I saw one of them later. I didn't even know that. Yeah, before <clears throat> Alexa on Fire official does a surprise set before the encore of a Billy Talent show. Weird. I have to. I, I, I had no idea. It's crazy. crazy. It's a. It's a. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. George loves punk. <laughs> he definitely does. To be for in real. multiple places at once. Anyway, yeah. this means nothing to the audience, but I had to – this is coming across my desk as we speak. <laughs> yes. Um, sure. But now let's dive into the mailbag and find yes. out uh, what is going on in everyone else's minds. Yes, right for sure. We have a lot this week that kind of are in reference to the last two weeks, um, which is particularly good because it's little things that shed light onto things that we didn't perhaps unearth properly. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, let's dive into the first one. Do you want to take the first one or should I? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, first one is from D-Force. Uh, Daniel is his name. But uh, yeah, he sends us a, not really a correction, but just more like elaborating. We were discussing the idea that agno- – I said it again. I've been making that error all night. Uh, I have agnostic front on my brain, which is nothing nothing wrong with that, but I keep saying it. Uh, American Nightmare, pardon me, uh, from That's two weeks ago. That's the hidden fences of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but American Nightmare, of course, um, Damien, uh, well, whatever, it was interviewed on uh, two weeks ago, I believe, right now? Or three got, now? Yeah, two or Either three. Either way, a couple episodes back, Wes was interviewed, uh, and we were discussing the fact that they had played Ottawa before Toronto, and that seemed strange to us. And um, So he sent in with uh, elaborating on the show, and he writes, uh, I'm a little late to the footnotes episode from Wes, but he wanted to send in the clarity. Um, the end show in Ottawa, I'm pretty sure, was done by LaForge, a mutual friend of Damien Rice, uh, and a lovely gentleman. And uh, his former LaForge's former band, uh, Miles Between Us, they brought up a lot of great bands in the era before they popped off. I couldn't find the flyer, but he sourced this um, basically, whatever, the digital, <laughs> like someone typed it from that era, from an old Punk Ottawa message board. Uh, and apparently it happened at the Rideau Club in July 
I can't find a year, but I'm guessing it's probably what two thousand maybe two thousand one. Yeah, probably uh, two thousand. Yeah, one. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, but the lineup was uh, Reach the Sky headlining, Good Clean Fun as direct support, then American Nightmare, uh, and then COA, which we were trying to decipher what COA it is. Uh, we didn't know. I, I'm assuming it might be a local thing. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, because uh, we couldn't figure it out, and then. Uh, uh, Miles Between Us looks to have... Oh, no, sorry, they didn't open, but Miles Between Us also played, and then Case in Point also played, and another they're another group I'm not familiar with. But, um, yeah, and he says he remembers the power going out and Good Clean Fun singing a cappella Ramon songs for everyone to sing along with them until everything went back up and running. Great night. I regret uh, not getting an AN tape when, the, when I was there. Yeah, uh, understandably. So... There you have it. That's the correction or whatever clarity on that whole event. Wow. What a what a time too. We're mm-hmm. reach the sky with headline <laughs> over good clean fun and American nightmare. <clears throat> yep. What a bill. What a bill. Yeah. Yeah, that's like uh yeah, that's definitely like you know, speaks to uh kind of the uh, booking prowess of the miles between us. Oh, actually, one thing that's funny here I noticed that I didn't read in the initial because I didn't think the club was very relevant, but it says it happened at the Rito Curling Club, but then in brackets, changed the club changed to Club Saw later. So it's oh, where okay. Club Saw was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Either way, very cool. Awesome. <clears throat> and then uh, I guess the next email has come in. Oh, thank you for that, too. Uh, the next email from that has come in from our good, cor- or good friend and correspondent, Kel, uh, in Norway, who's written in... Uh, in regards to the reunions, first starting it off with Good for Jello, of course, Dead Kennedys, as we reported last week, that we learned that uh, has uh, been um, Dead Kennedys have refused, or Jello at least, sorry, I should say, has refused Kella, uh, Coachella's overtures for a Dead Kennedys reunion. And so Kel has written in because we started a discussion about the clash afterwards and the clashes not reunion that kind of didn't happen, but Kel's kind of corrected me on this a little bit. As for the clash, there was kind of a reunion in the last show Joe Strummer did before he died. It was a benefit show for striking firemen. Mick Jones came on stage and did some old clash songs. There was a record of that show released on records day store day some years ago, uh, which Kel does have. Um, and then there's a uh, note about it on the Wikipedia. I don't know if that's really a reunion. Yeah, I, I know what he means. I, I remember when we discussed it, I, it kind of came to mind too. I think what it is is, um, because if I'm not mistaken, I think the biggest points of, of whatever uh, conflict were, but I know there like there was conflict amongst multiple members, but the main big ones were him and Mick. Yeah. And so it was a big deal that they had come together to do that. And I guess what made it more ominously, um, whatever, in hindsight, it was crazier because he died very shortly after. So it was like, I don't know, it's perceived as such, but yeah, it wasn't a traditional uh, reunion in the, in the truest sense. I would, I would agree with you. Yeah. Like you don't have, um, you don't have Paul, Paul Simon, there. Yeah. you don't have a topper. Well, I guess you have a couple drummer options, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but still like that's, you know, as we said last week, there's very few that you will, yeah. you will not get at this point. Yeah, and, uh, it does say here that the interesting thing, it's definitely like I'm with the, it's not quite a reunion, but the, the Wikipedia, at least here that's provided says this performance marked the first time since 83 that Strummer and Jones had performed together on stage. It's kind of wild when you think about that. I thought they had at least done something in the later eighties. 
No, because he doesn't. He's not even on the record. The next record, right? No, I know. That's just wild, though. Like they never did anything in the '90s at any point. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I guess those were pretty pretty deep wounds still. Yeah, in the '90s, and you know, and he was spending that. I turned out a punk money. <laughs> not that this show is named after that or anything. But... <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, that next column. Dave Martin. Column, thanks. Next column from one of the Daves. Dave Martin. Uh, never heard the CT bats, but as you might have guessed, I ride hard for the Pittsburgh bats. Oh, Pittsburgh bats. Uh, do any of you have the 12-inch EP Mind Cure put out? Great stuff. Plus, I think some people care about those books that Michael Chabon has put out. Oh, that's his band? Apparently, yeah. Really? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow, I don't have that. By CT, too, for clarity, this came up on last week, and he means Connecticut for those who are. Yeah, the Connecticut sure. Bats. I got to get the Pittsburgh Bats LP, though. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with either, but um, Dave Martin is uh, has impeccable taste, so I'm now going yep. to thoroughly look into this Pittsburgh Bats as well. I think D- Dave Martin could give anyone a run in in musical knowledge department, especially like <laughs> yes. indie music. Like I would, if you were playing rock and roll Jeopardy with a leaning towards American or international independent music, mm-hmm. you could not find a stronger part than Dave Martin. No, especially if it dealt with anything relating to kind of like what we get into on this show. Yeah, I put him against Nardwar. Like maybe not yeah, rap stuff, but like like you know, independent yeah. music. That's a very good, uh, good whatever. I, I like that pairing. I actually want to see that happen though. I would love to see that. that, like a trivia contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if you ever do one? If you ever do a Vancouver live, maybe we can fly out Dave and we'll do a live trivia. <laughs> Point counterpoint between yeah. Dave Martin and Nardwar. Yeah. Well, that would be a yeah. No, that would be nuts. But and all, but also. You know, Dave, uh, you know, it rides hard for all Pittsburgh bands. Let's be honest, yes, because Dave yes. is from Pittsburgh. Yes. So take that with a Pittsburgh-sized grain of salt. <laughs> or a sandwich yeah. stuffed with French fries and pastrami. <laughs> and coleslaw. Yes. For sure. Uh, but no, Dave honestly does have incredible taste in music. So I got to get this record. I had no idea. This is like, uh, Dave, you're holding out on me, not telling me this. <laughs> It says here it should be noted that the Pittsburgh Bats, he continues, you can so you can find out more if you just read it on. Well, I'm trying to find their discogs right now. Okay, so I'll, I'll read this this paragraph. It says, an extremely Damien twist, it should be noted that the Pittsburgh Bats member, Sam Matthews, all, was also in uh, The Six, but it's like S slash Six, I don't know, I don't know that band, who are fair warning recorders, recording artists, so David Up is practically in the same band as Sam, or will be a character in an upcoming Michael Chabon novel, he writes here. Wow. But I don't know the, I don't know the six, like it, like it's S slash CKS. I don't know that band. I don't know that band that, either. Yeah. But, but that was like, uh, that was a deep cut joke, Dave. You, uh, went over <laughs> our with humor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is this fucking Pittsburgh bats record? I'm not finding it. Well, he says in the message that it is on, it's on Mind Cure. Cure. Okay, it's not, Cure well, it's a 12-inch EP he writes, but I don't know. Um, I'm not on the resource presently. I'm on the, I'm always on the resource. <laughs> yes, of course. 
<laughs> so we will start to research now live. Uh, there it is. Was... Bats. Oh, it's their demo on a 12 inch. Okay. Oh, it's released in 2014. So it's like a posthumous thing. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks pretty sick. Four, four tracks, 2014, Mind Cure Records. Um, I'll be saying it, too. Say? Yeah. Very cool. Well, so that's one it's like amazing. Discox is incredible. It's like, yeah, he did this thing in 84, and then he was uh, wrote some uh, lyrics on a Mark Ronson record and, uh, and a Foils record. Well, there you go. In 2015 and 16. So he's been uh, taking some time off. I don't know what he's been up to, but <laughs> not doing too much music from the sounds of it. All right. And so Dave has a couple other points here regarding some things that came up on last week's episode. I want to see if any of these other people have bands, but no one else seems to have a band. <laughs> and, and I think he stumped this thing because the sixth, the sixth thing is not coming up either. Dave, you, you, I can't tell if you beat the resource. Yeah, I can't tell if he intentionally did that or it was just a keyboard stroke issue. If it's actually six, like I think it is. Okay. Cause there's that, the, the old, the other six, like S I C K S is that Swiss yeah. band, right? Yeah. The split with chaos. Well, he'll have to elaborate on his next column, I guess, with regards to that. Cause, uh, You've stumped us. Not that's not really that surprising for me, but Damien certainly. Um, yeah, it's something on that one. That's a new one. I had no idea this record came out. I got a I got a good copy of this. There you go. Um, We're always learning on this show as well, with along with the listeners. Hopefully. Well, they did the six. Oh, yeah, they did their their record. Oh, I know this band, the Six. This band's fucking awesome. From <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's this band. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, it is six. It is S I K S I C K S, but it's like the the eyes kind of falling over. Okay, that's why he put that like that, I suppose. Then yeah, gotcha. Um, and it's like people from like yeah, it's like it's wow, this band's fucking awesome. <laughs> okay, no, legitimately, like it's funny because like I thought you were the one telling me about this band, but it must have been was it Dave. No. Not me. It's probably no, someone else. No, no. It, it was someone like locally. I think was telling me about this band and being like, "Oh, this is like one of the the new bands. It's every record they've put out is incredible." And I don't know. They're really like they're all limited and like super hard to get. And I'm like, "Oh, I should try and I'm trying to get one." They're like, "No, they're all sold out. You're not going to get one." I'm like, "Okay." I'm no, that this. does sound like something I would be hip to normally, but this is one that I don't know. So yeah, like it was someone. It was someone who was like, "Man." Yeah, like a the records limited to a hundred. Yeah, like a contemporary head that's up on it. I don't know who it'd be. Dude, this band's sick. You you gotta check them out. And I'm not pardon the pun. But uh this cool. band is this band is 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 really good. Nice. Um, so that's crazy. Thanks, Dave. Once again, you schooled us. <laughs> yes. No no. He has two more about. points here to get to as well. He's not done he's not done. Oh yeah, Myst- Mystic Double Packs. Were there any double pack records that were not issued first as a standalone record? And then he also says to me, Jeff Dahl was in uh, the band, uh, was ar- was in the band Vox Pop, so he was already a-, a recording artist on Mystic before he was in Power Trip, or before yeah. Power Trip put out the record. I think we're going to have to go to the resource, because I thought the, did we realize last week that the Vox Pop record 
Yeah, it was is later. Before, no, I think it's before. Ah, let's go to the Mystic Discogs. Yeah, we're going to have to go into it. Going in. I could have swore, though. I, I'm with you. I, I thought it was earlier. Yeah, I thought it was uh, earlier, too. But then I remember we found out last week, I think there was a twist, and Power Trip was later than I thought. Yeah, it could be. Um, let's see here what we're doing. Um, well, the Vox Pop record, which came out in 82, um, Dave appears to be correct, which is not a surprise because I don't see the Power Trip one before it. And Power Trip, yeah, is just, at, well, same year. Same year. So, yeah, I don't know, debatably, but not not earlier. Well, actually, no, I think it's one before because if you look at it, it's, oh, no, no, there's like a bunch. <laughs> Mystic is like the hardest label to figure the fuck out. But if you look at the catalog number, yeah, it it's I don't know one two four five two and then one two five. So yeah, I don't know. Well, that's forty five. Like they have the forty five to denote the yeah. Seven. They have different number system for the seven. Inches. Looks like it came out catalog wise right after. So Dave, you again are right. It appears. Well, I don't know because these catalog <laughs> numbers don't seem to be sequential at all. <laughs> And like at all at all. Still, still. I don't know if we can give it to him on this one. <laughs> okay. Because I, I think I think it's like it's like they came out at the same time. So if anything, you know, he was already a recording artist. I, what, maybe I don't know. Sure, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the other point, which is the uh, were there any double pack records that were not issued first as standalone records? Uh, I don't know how we're going to decipher that one easily. I can't think of it, but it's funny because there's definitely like that budget seven inch series that they did. um, Yeah. Eventually there's like definitely things on that that came out only on that later on. And then there's of course reissues in that series as well. Yeah. Um, The super seven series. So what, what is our ruling on this? I don't don't know. know. Like I'm trying to think of it too. There's like the doctor. No one. There's the mentors one. Um, there's an aggression one. I'm trying to think of other ones. These are just the ones off the top of my head. But I'm trying. There's no repute one. Definitely. Whoa! What the hell? There's a red <laughs> cross, white flag, Mystic Records thing that never came out. Is it like you're talking a split record? Yeah, an unreleased split forty-five. What do you mean? Un- oh, never. Well, how does I don't understand? So it's like a test press, and just test press only. Yeah, look at it; it's Weird. like right there, Red Cross, White Flag. I am texting Steve McDonald about this now. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm scrolled along further. I guess what is it early? Like what? Year? It's early. It's early. Eighty four. Fall. Okay. Um, I will try to find it here. But either way, uh, oh, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, Ballad of a Love Doll slash with pieces of. Chris Trent. Yeah. Uh, from 84. Yeah, test press only, it looks like. And, wow, that is strange. It says it was to promote the movie Desperate Teenage Runaways. I think it was Desperate Teenage Love Dolls, right? Well, it says later retitled, <laughs> pardon me. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Although White Flag Track does not appear on the soundtrack, which do, it does have a soundtrack. Did Mystic, yep. did, pardon me, did Mystic do the soundtrack? I'm wondering. I don't think did. so. They did not, no. Nope. Enigma. Anyway, yeah, so it seems to be related to that. What a soundtrack, though, eh? Um, I just sort of clicked on it real quick. Let me see here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got some good stuff. Well, Red Crass, White Flag, of course, but 
Um, black flag appears on it. Sin 34. Sin 34, I don't really know. That 70 uh, is so good. What is Greg Greg? That one I don't know. I was just clicking on that to see what it was. Greg Greg, yeah. it's Greg Graffin and Greg Hessen. <laughs> of course <laughs> it is. Uh, well, okay. Oh, uh, it, was, it was it was a project to play music into the style in the style of the Into the Unknown LP. Oh, well, courageous. Let's just say. Yeah, that's how I'm going to frame it in 2017. That was courageous. Well, they only put out they didn't put out anything but this song in this compilation. <laughs> Greg, Are Greg, Greg. Are we surprised by that with a name like Greg? Greg also. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, all due respect to those people, they're great musicians, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, and somehow that name seems stupider than Gus Gus. Yeah, it definitely does. Or Judd Judd. <laughs> yeah. Craig Craig. <laughs> yeah, it, it does sound weird phonetically. Well, and the song, for those who know, it's called Running Fast. So I'm definitely going to search this out now because I just, it's so silly. <laughs> I kind of want to hear this and to think that it might sound like that record that I've still never heard either uh, that everyone kind of bags on I'm very curious to hear it I don't have my glasses on so at first it's, uh, I thought it said gangrene and I'm like oh that would be no. sick but then I'm oh, like, that would have been no Greg Greg <laughs> <laughs> nope nope uh, and, it has yeah. a, and it has dark side but not dark side NYC yes different dark and... side but okay yeah. I guess, whoa. But it's got a dude from Queens of the Stone Age in this. Uh, it was Which in this band, band are you talking about? Oh, Dark Side. Interesting. Which member? Uh, oh, it's got a member of Fu Manchu in it, too. Huh. It's from 84. Those Some of those dudes go back that far? Yeah. That seems interesting. And it's got the drummer of, uh, like the I guess, the drummer of uh, from Desert Session in Queens of the Stone Age. Fredo huh. Hernandez played in it yeah, too. Yeah, I see. I'm looking them up now too. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, what a band. Wonder what it sounds like. You, you don't have the soundtrack. I else. had this, I had the soundtrack like really early. Like it's one of the first like like records I got. I remember, but I it's long since sold, and I I gotta get it yeah. again because <laughs> it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about this, and of course, Greg, Greg, as mentioned. So yeah, I'm gonna try search it out. Um, but I guess that is uh, the Mystic discography as far as Dave's uh, question about deuce packs. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many there were. It's hard to say. Yeah. If anyone knows, or even Dave, if you, well, I guess Dave asked the question, so that's the assumption he doesn't know. But whomever might have a better idea, feel free to hit us up. We are curious. But, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Steve McDonald just wrote, the description seems right. Can't remember the White Flag song. But a reference to a real person we all knew. Huh. Um, and that's his brother's writing on it. He says. Yeah. And writing on it. Oh, you actually sent him the link, so he checked it. Yeah. Did you ask him if he has one? He, he doesn't. He doesn't even say it looks <laughs> familiar. Well, he's like, he didn't even know it existed. <laughs> well, there we go. The resource. Well, you're the human resource too that you actually hit up someone directly. It's an expensive record. God, yeah. Well, I don't think I don't I and I think that's undervalued because I would pay yeah. more than that. Like if someone was like, "Yo, this is going to be three hundred dollars." Like they have it down here for like one fifty, yeah. but like that that record, like test presses to me are like 
you know, like they're one of a kind. So you can kind of set your own price for them, especially something that doesn't exist other than that format. Yeah. And the idea that if you're like a completist collector of either Red Cross or White Flag, then you're going to go hard. So, yeah. Or Mystic, actually, I should say, too. If you're completing Mystic, because this has got to be one that's got to be difficult to get like tracked down. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing is like the Mystic completing, I would love, you know, people post their complete collections of bands and it's always like, oh, that's cool. And like sometimes you'll see someone who's got like something really impressive, like a, like a ton of records. Like, so I saw someone's complete no effects collection the other day online. I'm like, oh, that's, that's (laughs) a lot of records. Yeah. How did it fit in a photo? It was like, like, it's like like a a drone. They're on a a ladder (laughs) (laughs) and they're like stacked up beside each other or like. You know, the uh, former guest Cooch's infamous Poison Idea photo that I used to carry around in my phone to show yeah, people. Yeah, that is great. Um, but, like, I got to say, like, I would love to see a complete mystic, like, like just laid out end to end. Well, that's, that's a task to the listener. If anyone has it, send it. No yeah. one has it, dude. There's 177 pages someone showing has 50 it. records. I believe someone has it. There's someone out there with all 5,000 <laughs> Someone has it. I'm telling you. Someone has it. I, I don't even know. I don't think Doug Moody has it all. He probably doesn't, but someone does. Because there's I, I also like weird it. shit like you could even have one of all of these, but every single one of these has like a trillion yeah. variations. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to be too much of a sicko. I just want one of each. I don't need the variations, so... I'll, I'll I'll deal with that. Someone's got it. They've got like the best is like <laughs> there's like a like a cassette compilation. The last thing it looks like Mystic. No, I don't even know when this put there. They put it like a social spit. Remember all the bands I was talking about? Like just like those random bands that would show up on the on the Super Seven Seven Inch series for some reason, and they were like a new modern band. Yeah. Well, this band Social Spit has a tape too. That has their LP. I didn't even know they had an LP on this label, too. But they have an LP <laughs> and a 7-inch. Well, hey. They have a tape, Chris. There's tapes. Mystic tapes. Yeah, but... Europe. <laughs> this is in Europe, like, they did the final countdown, right? Yes. <laughs> Europe. <laughs> Europe. <laughs> they license stuff on Mystic, really? That's well, they, apparently they have a CDR that came out on Mystic Records. That's got to be, like, a just, like, a weird... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be... A weird, uh, like, Discogs glitch. Yeah, I'm thinking so. Oh, yeah, here's, like, Bootleg Records, Getaway Records, Mystic Cassettes, uh, Super 7 Records, Thrash Records. Well, hey. There's Mystic Records HQ still. Well, I'll just settle for... Contact Doug Moody. (laughs) Who has the best Mystic collection, I guess, (laughs) I would settle for? Photographically speaking. Yeah, I would say, yeah. If you have a killer Mystics records collection, yeah, please, um, please get in touch and, and send us the photo. <laughs> yes. Buy a drone and then get in touch after well, you've taken the Apparently photo. there's like a person that you're supposed to contact if you just have uh, questions about um, like collector's questions for Mystic. What do you mean? On the actual Mystic website you're saying? Yeah, I'm on the Mystic's website. Okay. I'm looking I'm looking at the vault now of their rare stuff. I really need my glasses <laughs> on to enjoy this, but Yeah, I see that collectors click the contact. That's funny. Yeah. I might contact Doug Moody and see if he wants to go on the podcast. 
Yeah, that's a great you idea. Should do it, right? Yes, for sure. Well, I'm not going to do it right now, so it probably means I'll forget. But, uh, you know, I, I, hopefully I'll remember. <laughs> I'm not going to take the time to do that now. But <laughs> We have one last message. Are we going to move on here? Yeah, let's move on to the next one. And then I'm going to order right. some Mystic Patches. <laughs> you want me to take it or do you want to roll with this one? Uh, I'll, I'll come back from this Mystic thing or I'll be here forever. Why don't you take it because this is more your world than mine. Yes, sure. Uh, it's a correction from Dave W. Um, and it's uh, one that when it happened, I, I kind of, in the back of my head, took a little note of, but I just forgot. But uh, uh, boredom's correction time, he writes, um, there's two different people and the and the only remaining two members from the classic lineup. Uh, Yoshimi P. Wee, as I'm assuming how that's pronounced, uh, is the woman who plays drums, vocals, and occasional trumpet. She... Uh, also has several side bands, Free Kitten. And again, I don't know how this band's pronounced, but it's, I just always call it O O I O O. And uh, Seo Kebab? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce that either. Sorry. Anyway, um, basically what happened was Damien was talking about something and jumbled up Yoshimi and Yamantaka I, who are two different members, uh, but it was a slip. Um, and Yamantaka I, he writes here as well, formerly known as Yamatsuka and Yam, oh, sorry, Yamantaka previously. Now it's Yamata, I don't know, virtually the same thing. One, one initial off, uh, one letter off, pardon me, uh, is the front person and vocalist, of course, of the boredoms who first achieved infamy in Hannah Tarash, uh, who Bob mentioned was a part of that bill. Uh, it wasn't actually, as it turns out, Dave Martin did correct us on that as well. I should mention correction on a correction. It wasn't Hannah Trash. It was actually, um, I don't know how to pronounce this. i got to find the email now. As I'm reading this, probably should have included it. Uh, but it's like Hykoden. Hykoden. I don't know how it's um, actually pronounced. Hyduken? Hyduken, maybe. I don't, it's, yeah, but it, it wasn't Hannah Trash as we speculated. It was, uh, it was actually another group altogether. And uh, concluding, um, actually, no, that was it. Oh, he me- sorry, he mentions as well, yes, that uh, I is also on um, John Zorn's Naked City, or in the band Naked City, if you will. Or actually, no, I think that, yeah, either way, he does vocal duties, at least on one record that I've heard, so yeah. And he's in a number of other things, too, over the years. He's been in uh, Z-Rock Hawaii with members of Ween, and uh, did a split record, sort of, whatever, 7-inch with Sonic Youth, and yeah, so he's all over the map. But anyway, it was just a, a correction on the idea that, Damien, you accidentally jumbled the two members. But, yeah. Either way, thanks for the message, Dave, and uh, great info. Yes. So that's it for the emails. What uh, What do you want to start with with the show here? You might want to do, the, I guess, the, the build-up. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll talk a little bit. I guess we kind of talked about it off the top. Um, yeah. It, it, Brad, someone that I got to know a couple years ago, and... Uh, uh, when we played a show in LA first he yelled at me to get off the stage but then we got <laughs> we got to know each other and as has become really really good friends i think he's like uh, a hilarious person and obviously has played in an incredible array of bands but you know and I had no idea though that his musical uh, lineage went this deep until of course getting the chance to sit down and talk to him, and I'm I'm my God, I'm glad I did. Did you ever watch that South Park Chef of Palooza episode? I do like vaguely remember it. Like I like the show. It doesn't 
um the song though that you've mentioned before i it doesn't really stick out to me that in memory but yeah they play it on the show because like rancid's animated they make rancid into south park characters on that show okay like i don't yeah i don't remember that at all that but was, uh that was like that in was, the era where i was like a you know not a big south park fan like i never had a shirt yeah. or anything <laughs> yeah but i know yeah. what you mean um so but it, it was okay, mind-blowing so like, to see at the time because it was like also like it's just his name as a song title, which is something oh, you yeah. didn't really see that often. Like even Brohim wasn't named after, you know, the people <laughs> that had passed away that they mentioned in the song. Yeah, yeah, I got in you. the first version. I initially the question I would have had was because I'm not terribly familiar with the song, but then he kind of mentions in the interview that he ends up touring with Rancid, uh, whatever, at a, at a later period. So my guess is that they're just pals and his whatever his um, even touring with them or whatever is that was the impetus for them. Naming a song after him, I would imagine. No, he was like the road dog for like yeah. a long time. Yeah, so like that that and I, the songs about him. Yeah, like, but I like, didn't know all the all like... of Lars's songs. I think are like, and that's a Lars one. I'm nine. Yeah, it's definitely a Lars one. Lars wrote it, does vocals on it, so he must have wrote it too. But uh, but that it, it it's uh yeah, like I think it's all about him. Let's look at the lyrics. Yeah. I initially, though, when you brought it up and I didn't know that con, like, I had no idea he had toured with Rance or whatever. So I was just like, I always wondered why. Like, I didn't know if, I'm assuming it was an endearing thing, but I didn't know if it was like, didn't think it was like on blast, but I just was like, why, why would they? And now I get it when he mentioned that he did tour with them or you're saying that he was their guy. So that makes perfect sense. But yeah, I didn't know to put that together until this episode. Yeah, like, it seems like it's about, now I'm just going over the lyrics right now, like, it's about, and that's what I thought it was about, but I wanted to check first, but <laughs> it seems like it's about him, uh, his struggles with uh, addiction. Gotcha. And, um, but yeah, like, that's got to be one of the most, not most famous Rancid songs, but I would imagine that's one of the higher selling Rancid songs, because that sales park soundtrack must have sold millions of copies. Yeah. Well... Yeah, I, it's just crazy. It's funny that that was a song they submitted for that. And like, again, just the concept of submitting like a friend's name as a part of a song to something that enormous. Yeah. And then that'd be like, it's just a, it's a funny, I don't know, of all the things. It almost like supersedes like your band's name. You know what I mean? Being on the soundtrack or something. It's a very interesting move. <laughs> but I'm, I'm wondering if it was like, was it initially a B side or something? Because it was such like an inside. I don't think so. Thing for Manson or remember when he was on the show, he's like about how they don't, they don't like half acid for anything. Like they don't no, like, yeah. like everything they do. I think they go like full bore at. So even like comp songs, I don't think, I don't know if they have like, I would love to know their editing process. Like, okay, this is for the record. This is for like comps. Yeah. Cause it seems like, like I, I still stand by this. Some of my favorite Rancid songs are comp songs. <laughs> the comp songs. You do have that. Yes, you do have that uh, theory that you're sticking to. I'm sticking I... to it. Listen, like, have you seen the South Park soundtrack? Pretty crazy good soundtrack. <clears throat> I have not, but we can uh, we can get into that now if you'd like. I think that makes sense based on what we're talking about. Is this like, do they have multiple ones or is it only one? Well, no, it's the Chef Aid, the South Park album, which is the first <laughs> thing they put out, 1998. So you better believe people bought this on CD. All right, let's see here. Chef oh Aid God. on CD. Look how many versions on CD there are. Came out on a uh, mini disc in Europe. Brad Logan, that is really funny. But um, I meant Ma it, it's a, a masterpiece on it. <laughs> yeah, Kenny's dead. It had a video too. 
Kenny's yeah, dead. this is like a this is like a very ridiculous '90s soundtrack so if ever there was. Insane. The fact that there's an Elton John song on it is pretty incredible. Too. There's a Joe Strummer song on it. Isn't it very fitting though that in the interview you end up talking about like sick early Elton John? Yeah, and song with his name on it appears in a comp that Elton John also appears on. <laughs> True. It's a very bizarre, uh, whatever, serendipitous moment. And look, Ween comes up for the second time on the show, this time on a South Park soundtrack. Yeah, that makes perfect <laughs> sense, however. Yeah, it does make perfect sense. Uh, based on that association with that show and what have you. Uh, they've always, to be fair, that show, even early on, the, whatever the theme was done by, what's his face? Um, Les Claypool. Les yeah, which Claypool, is, well, yep. Primus, whatever. And it's on this. So they've always kind of had, like, a, whatever, musical... Uh, affiliations in some regard mm-hmm. it's actually weird like rancid for me is the one thing that almost sticks out the most because there's not really any other i mean devo's on it but there's not really any other punk well joe strummer joe strummer but i mean like again like you're dealing with like they're definitely the most like punk thing on this so to speak yeah it's it's a strange it's a weird choice because like why that like i yeah, I don't know how that affiliation happens. Like, if you look, because it's like a American Recordings, Columbia, Sony, whatever. It's like, how did they get on there? It seems strange. Well, because they were probably like Trey Parker and Matt Stone were sitting there like, okay, we got to have Mace, Puff Daddy, Lil' <laughs> Kim, with yeah. System of the Down, doing a song. <laughs> and it's like, yep. And it's like, can we get Master P? Yep. Can you do a song about South Park? Yep. And then it's like, <laughs> what else? Rancid. <laughs> like, so, like, like Crystal Method with Ozzy Osbourne, DMX, Old oh. Dirty Bastard, and Fuzz Bubble. Yeah. If you just, like, read that, and I love Old oh. Dirty Bastard, and I love, like, obviously I love, like, Sabbath era Ozzy, and actually even early Ozzy, but that and sounds... I love DMX because he has song, a song called Damien. Two songs called Damien. I don't, I don't actively dislike, but I never was a DMX guy, uh, and I wasn't ever a Crystal Method. But it, that just sounds like a train wreck, like of epic proportions, yeah. if ever there was. How could that be good? Like, there's no way that song is good. No, the fact that they all have <laughs> oh, writing. Oh, Fuzz Bubbles a rock band up. too, by the way, Chris. Oh, great! <laughs> I think even just the Crystal Method Fuzz Bubble collab would be enough for me. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> It's probably just like a chopped up. Uh, they get a writing credit because it's like sampled or something. And I'm assuming it's not an actual like lie. All those people like you didn't have Aussie DMX and Old Dirty Bastard in the booth at once, like Live Aid or something. Dude, everyone phoned their track in for this. There's no way anyone's like, yeah, can we? Yeah, can we get you in the studio for this? <laughs> no, oh, okay, you know, just send your track. No, they they were a real band. They had a seven inch in two thousand two, so they kept going. I also like that they credit Chef as Chef, and it's clearly Isaac Hayes. Yeah, <laughs> they, they credit him as Chef. They had a massive fall, they had a massive falling out with him in the end too. Right? Yes, they did. They killed this character, in fact, due to that falling out. Oh, this Fuzz Bubble is also the rock band that appears on. Uh, on the All About the Benjamins remix. Well, that's just Featuring Puff Daddy and the Family, which also <laughs> featured Dave Grohl. Oh, my God. We're yeah, like... We're the doing, 90s we're, were terrible we're, for music. Yeah. Well, they were terrible for, like, 
this stuff always happened, which is what was so bad. I mean, there's a lot of good 90s stuff in my opinion, but yeah, this this was like run like it, it this is like there was no regulation on this kind of like <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> like hodgepodge of nonsense is what I would say. Oh my but god, yeah. look at this picture of Fuzzbubble. And like it looks like a stock image of a band. Like it's like Hey, uh, do you have any uh, random uh, images for a band I can use for a GIF? Yeah. It's a very 90s photo. It's very They got like a thrift store jock dude. They got like just random. Ah, it's weird. Yeah, very energetic photo. (laughs) Anyway. Let's never listen to that song. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, back to the episode. Brad Logan. This week's guest on Turned Out Punk. Um, I guess we should dive on into this episode now that we've kind yeah, of for sure. stumbled through the beginning. Uh, uh, do you want to take the first point? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm just going to take a ridiculous point since we've started so ridiculous that I feel we should carry on, which is Van Halen skydiving in for a performance. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think that might be the biggest dick upstage move a band has ever done. It's possibly. incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. Like that's the best opening act move you can do. <laughs> like, like the best part is just imagine the brainstorming and like what is the other like uh, yeah. Anyway, as someone who is not admittedly not really a big Van Halen fan, I just find it super funny on top of the fact. But was that the gig he said it was they were opening for Kiss or was that another one? No, that was another one. I think it was Kiss okay. and uh was it Kiss and someone else? I can't recall. I don't I, but um, I'm with him, I guess, to segue real quick. Like, I guess these points can work, whatever. But, like, yeah, I'm with him on, like, early kiss is, like, deadly. I'm, like, I would be the same way as you said, the people in awe of him saying he was at whatever show in wherever it was, 70, whatever. Because um, in that window, they were incredible. I think early, I think Van Halen 1 is pretty incredible, too. Like, it's it's like they were, you know, 1978 that comes out. Yeah, and for what it is, I mean, I've never been that guy, but Eddie Van Halen is undeniably, a, you know, whatever, a prodigy and that, you know, I can respect that. But musically, I've never really rolled with them. Have you ever listened to the Running With The Devil uh, acapella version? No, that's a good song, though, I gotta say. Dude, listen to the acapella. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm only like, I'm only a Van Halen, not Van Hagar guy, too, if I were to have to choose, so... I've just, they've never been a band that's been my thing, uh, but this is severely not punk. I think they got, discussed. they didn't really find their sound until they got the dude from Extreme singing for them. <laughs> but, uh, you sure, know, yeah. they had their moments. Yeah, that's uh, another terrible band, by the way. Anyway. Yeah, I was actually just thinking, does anyone in Extreme have any, like, deep punk past? But <laughs> there's no way. Well, they were awful. Awful. Truly. Um, but I feel like we've, we're sort of getting into like the – I started this off, so I sort of should apologize. We should get back on the punk train yes, here. Yes, definitely. Um, let's uh, – should should I go next with Yeah, the, yeah. Take one here. I think we um, – I guess like the importance of Rodney on The Rock. Yeah, um, love and, that. And that kind of uh, – which has come up a couple times on the show for like people of that uh, era and that – geographic location like that thing was just so important i guess this could be a larger point just about radio shows and and the importance of radio shows um at at different points because like for me 
obviously being thousands of miles away and, and, and a few years later, yeah. I, it was Mods and Rockers, which is like the radio show that I can remember listening to. And I don't know, well, did yeah. you have anything like that? No, I did. Well, I, I would get Mods and Rockers, but um, even over here, which for people geographically are not aware of like where Damien and I are situated, like I live hours south of him, but the way it is separated by a lake, on a good day, you could get it quite nice. Which is funny because um, on a on a bad day, I couldn't get in Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like which is like this, but also CIUT had a ridiculous transmitter back yeah. then. Yeah, like they but, people get it in Buffalo sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Like it was. Uh, but I, I like that idea, and I do think that's something that, um, again, I don't know, talking like an old guy or something, but like that is something that's uh, bums me out a little bit that that's lost. That idea that like. Um, just the idea of having to like sit through the radio show to like maybe find out what's was something that's being played. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, that was like a big deal or like setting up a tape and just recording as much as you could of some show or, you know, that was like a big deal. So that, yeah, Mods and Rockers was definitely one, a lot of like college type radio, whatever on like whatever those, you know, those stations that you're mentioning, like CIUT or whatever. Um, of course we never had, I mean, whatever, uh, CFNY or whatever you want to call it, like it was starting to get pretty bad, but it was still somewhat decent when I was young, when we mm-hmm. were young. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we missed kind of like the golden era, I think, of that yeah. station. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I, we never had a Rodney on the Rock, really, though. But yeah, Mods and Rockers, as far as punk taste, certainly was a like a big deal. Like, yeah. Like I think if you're our age, JC is the closest thing we had to a Rodney on the Rock. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I uh, would agree. And, and like, I still like I didn't know who he was. Like for me, out of the city, like I, it was really um, whatever, like third, fourth degree, because it's bigger when you just think of it. Like who is this person? You know what I mean? Like it seems like a, it doesn't seem like college radio or something. It seems like like a Rodney on the Rock scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And he kind of like you know, in I don't know if this was I don't think it was really by design. Uh, yeah, but. Um, but I think it was more just by like, like, um, like, uh, you know, just by, by happenstance that he came up with that persona that just like lent itself to like the mystery. And, and it was just also perfect time for that music becoming super popular. Yeah, for sure. Well, like your involvement, like, so you obviously you were a fan of the show before, but how much earlier did the show exist before you um, had become a part of it? Or oh, whatever? long time. Yeah. Like there was before me, there was Ed Fox and Ed Fox was like the street reporter before Sandy and I, um, Sandy from fucked up. Um, and there was before Ed, uh, Allison did it. Okay. Baker. You're Allison saying Baker. Yeah. And before yeah. Allison Baker did it, there were two other women that did it. Um, and I think, there might have been someone else. I think JC did it in Ottawa even before he brought it here. But see, like in a matter of years, what do you what are you saying? Like a decade? Like, I think it's like how, how early is it? Yeah, like I think like we were doing it in '96, and I think he started in like '89 or '90. Wow. Yeah, it's it's funny how much of that did you know? Like thinking on it now, even Ottawa, their stations there. From what I remember, I had a friend who was going to school there. He would mention some of those programs. I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but. Um, speaking back to Ottawa earlier, but yeah, that was always kind of the thing. Like we didn't really have college radio in my neck of the woods, um, established until the late nineties sort of. Mm-hmm. So we missed all the, like the crucial wave of stuff where it was like, would have been the most impactful, but yeah, very cool. 
yeah, no, definitely like it, it was a huge, you know, huge informating my kind of tastes and, and formulating my like, you know, awareness of like shows going on and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and I think, you know, Rodney definitely served the same function, obviously to a probably much more cru- crucial time in music. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, like here it is again, like, you know, Rodney, another sort of, uh, person that was kind of attracted to the, you know, like a moth to the flame to the sounds yeah. of Rodney putting out there. Have you seen that well, doc? A, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm I'm a big fan. When I when I was uh, in LA, I made a point to find a star on the on whatever on the strip, and I'm very happy I did that. And yeah, he's great. I actually would love to hear you interview him one day too. Yeah, don't ask him about the Angry Simones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> very good point yeah. <laughs> but yeah um yeah but just great the documentary is great of course it's like there's a little bit of tragedy to it but it's sort of like we've discussed it a bit before but it's like the idea of anyone who's obsessed with, with who has these obsessions like we have i don't know i just i'm endeared to them immediately so i really like it and i just like i don't know i i wish you know i just can't imagine what it would have been like to have been a youth in the years that uh you know, when he's talking in this interview, like getting into Rodney then, mm-hmm. like just how that, you know, I, th- I think it would have been a pretty special time to like be kind of getting all that. When you think of like in the history, he gets brought up in certain things, like even in the germs movie, they portray him and like things like that. He's yeah, it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it's like John Peel, Rodney, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nardwar. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was going to mention like Nardwar is ours. I firmly believe it. Uh, oh, what's her name? Who did uh, Crucial Chaos? Or uh, I don't know that. Not one. Crucial. Oh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. The, the uh, uh, blanking on this. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway, either way, <laughs> we've given lots of love to Rodney as deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then let's move on. Your point now. Sure. Um, I'm just going to kind of go in the, the way we've had it here because I think it's just a good rolling order. But um, the idea of like the Huntington beach thing versus the city sort of speak thing and spermicide. That's what I was thinking of from crucial chaos. Sorry. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I like the idea that uh, for a minute there, like if you just had Tourette's and that was just the one word you would just keep yelling. Out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the Huntington beach thing, like I think he summarized it. I haven't read that Jack. What or no? What was it? The Keith Morris book or the Jack Gishman book you mentioned? Keith Morris. I mentioned Keith both, Morris. but the Keith the Keith Morris is the one that I I I, I keep plugging. Yeah, <laughs> that you're getting you're getting your sales numbers for. Yes, yeah, you're getting exactly. commissions on exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, which it's, is the idea of it's an intense would, read. <laughs> the idea went the window though of like the the I don't know whatever you want to say like that Huntington Beach scene versus the city scene. And he's seeing, like, when he's mentioned seeing the weirdos and, like, that kind of stuff. But yet he, like, makes a very, very, uh, you know, like, he emphasizes the idea that the beach thing was, like, much different. And in the history books, I think in recent years, it's kind of done a decent job of doing that. But in my mind, before all this kind of was unearthed, I wouldn't have thought of things that way. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, so I don't know. That was my point. Whatever you want to roll on. Well, that. I think I think it's it's funny because like you know him talking about it being a younger person. Yeah. I think he had a 
you know, like you always kind of wonder, and I remember someone saying like, yeah, was it like that bad? Or is it just like the older punks being afraid of the younger punks? And so to hear a younger person kind of talk about it like that, you're like, oh no, it must've been that bad. And then also like hearing Fat Mike, of course, talk about seeing people getting stabbed. Yeah. You knew things were kind of changing. I just think that's cool though. Like the idea that, you know, if you read like, uh, we got the neutron bomb or something, you know, it, it sort of encapsulates what that city thing is. But then, you know, arguably those bands sort of don't become as influential. Like, I mean, obviously the germs do, but then like a lot of those other bands, of course they're great. But to me, like the impact of black flag or whether they're orange County band or Huntington beach. I can't remember either way. The, uh, what I'm saying is the outside of the city bands seem to have a longevity that sort of like buried, like like the weirdos and stuff like that were like more from my first like recollections of them when I found out about them, they seem more obscure. Mm-hmm. And it's just strange that all that, and it's great and it predates it. I guess X and though the germs were, are pretty much staples. And I do remember those bands early. So they did transcend, but I just found like, like black flag for me is like, was a bigger deal or something early on. I just find that weird, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's, that, it's who it's who goes in it's who's in uh, decline of Western civilization. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, that's really like you know, and it's you know, no fault of Penelope Spheris, and we've talked about this on the show, but like, yeah. that's who creates the canon in the history, like, and in Danger House too, I guess to a certain extent, but like, you know, you have to be more of a record collector to kind of get into that side of things, but like. <laughs> Certainly, like, I think Decline of Western Civilization became, you know, like, this is the L.A. punk scene. But, yeah, you're right. Like, the Weirdos were, like, the biggest band for a while. Yeah, and even his, like, him emphasizing the importance of seeing that band and, like, the idea. And, I mean, the records are excellent. Mm -hmm. Like, so just, it just seems like that is something that I've always found odd. But I understand the idea of, like, the regional, even for, like, our uh, whatever, it, as much as we could compare it, it's not really comparable, but you know, the idea of like the burbs versus the city stuff and whatever, but just that there was two vibrant scenes, like so potent with things. And yet one sort of wins out in a weird way in the history books for a long while. I think now that's changed because people are more into like what we discuss on this show, primarily like the, the whatever everyone's heard that the main stories they, they're looking for the, whatever the morsels that aren't as whatever um, talked about. And I think that the danger house thing, especially even like in the last 10 years has been pretty like, um, and, and understandably put on the pedestal it deserves to be. But um, it's not something that like when I first got into punk, like I knew anything about it all. And I, I think that's strange. Like, I think those records are as strong as, you know, any of the other first wave things yet. You know, I heard them much later. Mm hmm. No, I agree. And it, it's, I guess it's, I guess it's also like part of the fun too, is like finding out about like these bands that you're like, how did I not know about these guys? Like, this is one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Most important bands. But, um, yeah, to see them at that point would have been incredible. <laughs> like this yeah. 78 weirdo show. Oh my God. Yeah. Nuts. Hey, did he mention the screamers or no? I can't remember. No, I, you know what? I should have asked him about the screamers. They're one of the yeah. ones that I should have followed up on and asked him about, but you know, still Ramones on Christmas Day. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, Suicide Commandos, and I guess he never saw the Dead Boys the first time around. But even still, that like that weird when he mentions that, even that's cool as hell. Mm-hmm. Like it was said, it was like late eighties, did he? No, no, he saw the yeah, he saw the Dead Boys in the late eighties. But if he yeah, had, but either way, that's 
that's nuts too, but yeah. But if you'd seen him on that first tour where they went to the West coast, him and Michael Alago would have been in the same room. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't remember. I guess Alago spoke about this. I didn't remember, but I don't remember that they did a full cross country tour. Michael Alago talked about on his episode, how they did a West coast tour that he was on. Weird. And I didn't like, know that. I just assumed they only played like the Northeast or whatever. I didn't think they would have done that. I think it was like, just kind of like, it, not like in the post black flag DOA kind of way of touring. Yeah. But I think you would have just gone out there and done like a, a run of shows. Yeah. Like up the coast. Well, I guess, you know, they had Maybe like, just like two or three shows or whatever. Go on. They had two records. I mean, they were pretty, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they were, I guess being promoted, however you want to say it, like they were a bigger deal, understandably. So it makes sense they would have done more shows, but I, in my head, I just assumed that, like, you know, like the one band that didn't really like tour a ton, you know, is that band in my mind. But anyway. Well, they didn't tour enough. Not like Ramones tour. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. Like comparably to the other things that, you know, sort of are usually in, well, not usually, always alongside them in the, in the history books or whatever. It's just, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought a West Coast tour but that's cool as hell. Well, I guess now it's your point, right? My point again. I thought this was the Huntington Beach one. We just kind of went off. Or did you segue into your point? I thought I did I'll my point one. about the weirdos. No, was, that, was that you? No, we brought up the weirdos. Okay, so that's your point. So I'll do, um, let me see here. What do I want to go on? Uh, we talked about it off air, but check out The Shock. Everyone, if you haven't yeah, heard The absolutely. Shock, Generation on Vacation is a, is a yeah. classic. I was just going to say that that one was a little lost on me, uh, so I need to do my homework there. I'm glad to hear that uh, you are a big fan. I like he didn't he bring up one of these other obscure bands though that you were psyched about. Oh no, it was the um, the band with the Alva Brothers. What the hell was that called? Yeah, the uh, that lineup sounds insane. That that's my next point. What do we? Uh, did he say it was called something? I can't remember. He here. did say what they were called, and I don't think I wrote it down. <laughs> Either way, um, that sounded insane. And the fact that there doesn't seem to be any like recorded record of it is seemed insane to me. All the bands he described seem amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I, well, fuck, why can't this be recorded? Why can't this be recorded? It's um, just, it, you know, when it's, you'd think though, how is that? Like, nowadays it's not possible. It just, it seems strange. Like, cause especially cause the Alva, Alva was big enough then you know, mm-hmm. even to be like a, a, like whatever, a person that people knew, it just seems bizarre that it wasn't documented to me. When you consider like, they have like early skateboard photos of him like crazy. And yet like a band he's in with other notable, like people of that scene. And it's not, nothing well, happens. It, well, maybe because it wasn't Tony, it was, it's Mark, right? Like, I don't think Tony was in the band. Yeah. But either way, like the relation, the name, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't know. I just find that odd whenever that happens. And it's like, I get that like punk is what it is. And, you know, sometimes it just, that just gets lost, but it just seems very, very strange to me that whole, like that those bands never got documented really, or whatever the ones he mentions. Yeah. Like, I guess it's one of those things where, you know, like it, there's a lot of bands, like, you know, like we talked about the bands that were documented in the Klein of Western civilization becoming the, you know, the scene like there's another layer of bands that recorded that weren't, you know, maybe it didn't get taken up as part of the canon. And then there's like this other whole crop of bands that just didn't record and kind of like the screamers are the one exception because they've become legendary yeah. almost because of their greatness in spite of being obscure. But yeah, 
but like there's so how many incredible bands just like never recorded or never you know are just like lost the sands of time now yeah and that, that is a real strange phenomenon because i feel like that does not happen anymore at all yeah like yeah, that. like now everything's documented. Yeah, exactly. It's like the exact opposite, um, which is not necessarily a good or bad thing per se. It's just bizarre that there's there's eras of this stuff where that actually existed. I I don't know, and especially because for me, I guess what it is is the outsider looking at it. It just seems so vibrant, all of this stuff that I can't believe. In like we've discussed on episodes past, it's not like a, there wasn't like a discord mentality or something where people were documenting it greater. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously there were people like, you know, like we discussed danger house and, you know, these books have come out with oral histories and, you know, that's all there, but it's like him telling these stories. It seems like these ones should be in those books. And, you know, if not directly that book, I mentioned like other things and it doesn't seem like they were, but I think some of it is because of his troubled past that maybe, I don't know, he never got his uh, piece to say in certain at certain times when people were asking the questions or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I think it's also because these places go to the same talking heads over and over again. Yeah. That's a good point too. You know, and then they also, I think the other problem is with some of these, you know, not, not so much the books, but uh, documentaries sometimes is like, like who cares what this person that wasn't there has yeah. to say about it. Right. Yeah. Like, all big time. Yeah. It's like, you know, unless they're an expert and like they've devoted their life to the study of this. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, like, you know, as much as I love seeing these talking heads show up time and time again. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, it does mean that other people are left out. Not that that's the case with Brad. Like, I don't know. You know, but I'm, I'm glad his story wasn't told now because it got to be told here. <clears throat> Well, it's kind of cool, but I also think the idea, and I just thought of this as maybe another point to just kind of work off, is the idea that, you know, he has his, like, whatever, his time, and he talks about the early years of experiencing all this, and then he kind of goes away and then comes back. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of ironic that he's championed by Rancid, you know, whatever, 20 years after the fact almost, and that sort of brings him the uh, whatever, the... the notoriety that he maybe should have had from the get go or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think, I, I don't know. I think it also, I think, well, I, I think that the stuff with Rancid in this episode was amazing. Cause I think also it shows you that I'm right. Rancid is one of the best bands <laughs> ever because here's this guy who saw everything like yeah. fucking kiss on the, like the first, like the, the tour, yeah, you know, yeah. like Van Halen on the tour yeah. weirdos in 78. You know, and what does he say? Rance is the best band ever. <laughs> so I win. Um, but more than that, no, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. Like it's, but like, you know, Rancid, Rancid had that, that, that stage that they were able to do that, right. Where they like were able to put people on and, and, you know, and then they started a label and like put out F minus records and yeah, um, true you know, put out like their friends records and things like that. I don't know. Like, I think, you know, not that I didn't love Rancid prior to this podcast starting, but I like, that's the one thing I've kind of like gained a new appreciation for is not just Rancid as this band that I enjoy the music of, uh, but also just like the way they kind of like did things to help the people around them. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I admittedly do not appreciate them as much as you and this pod, like aspects of this podcast has, 
has definitely made me reconsider thoughts about certain aspects. But um, I just had a thought too. So F minus, like the, do you know where he resides presently? He's in LA. He ever, okay, because I feel like it must they must have been on tour or something. I remember like encountering. There's not two F minuses, are there? No, no, it's the same band. I'm, th- I'm sure you must be thinking of them. No, yeah, yeah. Like I know, but I just met, uh, just in case there was like a two or whatever. Because the contemporary one I'm thinking of, like or fairly contemporary. Yeah. Um, I like we had like a um, like a brush with. I don't know if it was the band. It was certainly there was a venue. I remember playing in Kansas City. That I could have swore hearing tell that. Oh, he did live. He did live there ran. in Kansas City for a while because yeah. he definitely. According to his discogs, uh, his yeah. his wife is from Kansas City. Okay, so then that that speaks to it. I may have met him, which is so crazy now. I think about this. I think you have dreadlocks, like long. Dreads. Yeah, yeah, and he's like blondish. I think. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And so I have met him once. Not you know, not that would be like he would remember. I don't. I vaguely, but we. I remember playing a show. Well, Alexis played it on Fire played a show down there. I was on the road with them, and it was like a cool DIY venue. We played. And I, if I remember correctly, it was either like I don't know. He ran it, or was he was pivotal to it somehow? And I remember like um, like someone pointing out, "Oh, this is so and so." And so it's funny now. I just pieced that together as, I, as we're kind of dissecting the the episode. But I don't. Again, if anyone in Kansas City listens or whatever, like yeah, send me clarity on this. But I do recall like that whatever early two thousands. Um, having like a brush with it, it was cool because I remember I wasn't into the band and I knew very little about them, but I, I knew it was like you know whatever like the the style of punk it is. So it's like yeah, it's decent, but I you know I just wasn't a fan of any of that stuff like to a huge degree. But meeting him, I remember like he was super cool. I, I'm I believe it was him. If not, it was one other member of the band. But if if I'm I think we actually met him once. No, they I, I I like that band a lot. Like I think. Uh, yeah. Like that, like I at the time I remember liking them. They did a split. Did they split with Full Speed Ahead? Is that what I'm thinking of? I think they did a sure. split seven inch that I, I thought was. Uh, well, they have a couple. Oh, Crack Rock Steady Seven. Yeah, that must have been on Hellbent Records. Yeah, I had that split, and I and also there's the, I first got into them through that song on the Give Them the Boot Comp, and then after that, you know, got all the seven inches on Hellcat as they were kind of coming out. If that's him and the the band for yeah with the white yeah, if that's him, that's, that's definitely him. the guy I met or we met whatever collectively. That's funny. Holy, small world in that sense. Um, I can't believe their their first seven inch came out ninety seven. Oh, they do a cover of uh, "Can't Tell No One" on their first seven inch. <laughs> nice. The only one I have. Uh, or had at one point was the the la- the latter seven inch because it came as like a package with things from Bridge Nine and I wanted other things admittedly, um, but yeah I don't I've never really known much about this band but he was cool as hell I remember that yeah we no, never they weren't playing or anything he just I don't know if he ran the venue it was something strange like he had some involvement and it was like this it was cool like people we were with kind of knew him a little bit but anyway just funny. I, yeah. I didn't uh, didn't really occur to me even when you kept saying oh I never knew the name really but yeah wild small I would, world now Chris. I wish was like now if I'd be like man like punish time begins <laughs> you know what I mean like let's just talk about kiss for an hour 
Yeah, no, well, that's the thing is like this guy can go on like you could talk to him about classic rock for an hour. You could talk to him about, yeah. you know, like in the cut punk for an hour. Like I also, yeah. how crazy is that harem scarum tour? Not harem scarum, uh, Harry Carey. Sorry. Harum what scarum. was it again? I can't. Was that band did? that he did afterwards. Uh, yeah, like, that he formed. They go on tour. They play with Husker Du, the Misf- Misfits, NMTA. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's not... surfers in a pizza parlor. <laughs> yeah, I like those. I like that he really shouted out the butthole surfers. That was super cool because I agree, especially in that era, like big time. I mean, like arguably, uh, you know, Gibby's still really cool. But like that band, I mean, we've talked about before. We had that crazy footage of shooting a gun and like I, the I would surfers... say that's been a big arguably because then they have like a huge falling out with Touch and Go that's historically like. A... Well, I just mean like the whatever, like like. <laughs> Their vibe in this era. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're vibe wise. I mean, like, like they're not necessarily a band like like the people who are like whatever, like um, like capital P punk people, like really like I, I lump in in my opinion. Um, whereas I think like Flipper gets lumped in pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. But the Butthole Surfers sort of don't. I mean, they're tangentially connected, arguably. But like, I don't know. I I just yeah, this band in that era was was very cool, and I like the shoutouts, but. You're right. I don't know. There's that too. <laughs> I keep forgetting about these things. But that is like that for back to the tour point. Like that is yeah, like yeah. it's like everyone you could, you know, not every everyone, but like that's like a big chunk of of interesting bands. Yes. I find it peculiar. Not I'm not surprised by it, but like the Misfits and Big Boys on a bill I think is very interesting. Dude, that like like having once again for this undisclosed project, but I went to Tim Kerr's house down there, yeah, and from the Big Boys, and that dude is to like loves Danzig, like not loves yeah. Danzig in like a like they they like they look they like Danzig is is like Misfits is is all good to them. It's funny, it's like Misfits to Texas uh, to Austin. Yeah, like bad brains to DC, like not importance to the scene, but I just think like the the way yeah, they, they, there's mean. just like this love and embrace of this these people. Yeah, I just like it's just one of those things that I would have assumed would have been a point of conflict. But you're right. I even remember hearing the, um, yeah, we remember hearing stories <laughs> that I, I will not be told again. But yeah, like I, I just one I thought you know when you think of like difficult personalities, you know, but I guess. Uh, Tim Kerr is such a, a lovely human being that that never happened for whatever reason. Yeah. Like I, I think if you like, eh, if you're, if you're the, in the asshole role in a altercation with Tim Kerr, chances are you might've done something wrong, but you know, yeah, I, I don't know. We've heard some pretty funny stories where, yeah. uh, it, 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 yeah, it definitely shows that, you know, Texas or Austin, or that scene in Austin, love the Misfits. Yeah, but it just, yeah, it's just interesting given that sort of sordid history. Mm-hmm. Um, what a show. Like, to see the Misfits and the Big Boys, like, you know, like, I, like those aren't even my two favorite bands. I probably actually, to be honest, I think I might like the Big Boys more than the Misfits. Um, <laughs> well, um, you know where I feel about this. Yeah, I know where you definitely feel. A misfits lover <laughs> till you die. Crimson skull, <laughs> yes, of tattooed course. to your heart. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, I, uh, 
I, I, I kind of like, I think that might be the best possible show you could see in that era. Like more than like minor threat, you know, like those two bands would have such unique vibes more than any other band. Yeah, I, I agree there. I don't agree for me that it would be my favorite show, but like, I know what you're saying. I don't think uh, it's my favorite. I think it's just the one I want to see the most. No, I, I, I know what you mean. The, the interesting thing to me, cause I've never really sought out, um, big boys live footage from like an early era or anything but everyone consistently like goes off about it and i'm i don't know why i've never sought it out but um i'm curious about that like like it's sort of like the way i view it and this is a total like random uh, uh like whatever comparison i'm gonna make and i don't really think it's one that like works truly but in my brain for whatever reason i think of this just because it's like wild party vibes like he talks about in the interview it's like for me when I hear about like old Murphy's Law shows, I think like the big boys were that. I mean, obviously it's different, but the big boys are like that in my brain in Austin in those years or something. Like just like great live, crazy party fun or whatever, and that's what I think of. Yeah, Perhaps like I, I think it's like less tough. Oh, of course. That's what I mean. Like, it's not the same animal, but you know what I mean. It's yeah, just... but but like I mean that in the in the, like a a good way that it's yeah, less yeah. tough, yeah. right? Like it would yeah. have been more. I don't know. Like I I love watching old big boys footage. Like I haven't seen tons and tons and tons of it, but I've watched a lot of it, yeah. and it just yeah, like it feels like it's like a, it's like a different kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, but it seems consistent. Like anybody of that early wave that. And even some we've spoken to recently, um, you and I, uh, pretty much all consistently rate it, rate them very high, especially from that era. And I think it's one of those things like, of course, they're, you know, they're they're a, a fairly known punk name to to people who like punk, but they're not like the household punk name, which is always um, unfortunate when you hear that their rep was that good in that era. Yeah. Well, yeah, like they they like their importance to you know, music, I don't think can be, uh, you know, overstated, you know, rock music specifically or independent rock music, because like, you know, and Alec kind of alluded to this when Alec, when we had him on the podcast, like they're the people that give DC it's like artistic bend. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. And so like without that, like, you know, would it, would it have been Fugazi that would have kind of came out or would it have been something different? Like, yeah. I think like I think they found, uh, you know, from the sounds of it, like you know, I don't mean to be putting words into their mouths, Ian's mouth specifically, but like it seems like they found freedom in the big boys. Yeah, but I think a lot of people probably did. You mm-hmm. know, not just obviously the notable people we're speaking of, but I just think it's just they're they're. Um, I think for it's from my own ignorance to a lot of what they did, and not like I'm not opposed to the band by any means. I just have never. Like, like I've never like went into the hole of big boys and just like lived in it for like a while. And that's probably like looking at footage. Like when I think of all the old bands I've seen footage of, it's very weird. Like I can't really think of any big boy stuff that I've ever seen. Even the dicks really. Um, yeah. And I think the big boys too bad that I like more than bands. any of those bands is like the most unconventional. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know where I was going well, with that. Well, but... Chris, the shock seven inch. Yeah. And uh and uh Big Boys live footage. Yes. And Do I'm going to go back and rediscover the boredoms. <laughs> That's our homework. Yeah, That's sure. our homework. <laughs> Do I have the right. Shock 7-inch? Yeah. Yes. 
Oh, nice. Um, I got it actually really cheap, luckily, because it got reissued. And because ever since the reissue came out, like I find you can get the originals pretty cheap. Okay. So what we'll do then is uh, when we're on our way to the... Well, hopefully, I'll try and sort... I'm assuming it's online, as everything is. But um, I, if not, then uh, when uh, we do this tour, you will play it for me. And, uh, and we will be raging to it on our uh, road trip. Yes, exactly. Well, they have two singles, actually. I don't have the second one. Mm. Um, same era or like same era yeah like yeah. I think it's you know I think it's a year apart yeah or something I'm trying to find it now on, on the old resource but having having a problem anyway <laughs> uh, is it your point or my point or I don't know I feel like I ranted on your point so I don't know you can just take one you can you can you can rant on my point anytime you want Chris <laughs> um, uh, I don't know what should we go to uh I like the idea of meeting, I'll just say, yeah, meeting Dwayne Peters in jail I thought was amusing. Yeah. Uh, um, and the idea of, like, like, that's the way to meet another punk and then, therefore, you form this bond out of that. Well, it's uh, funny because, like, you know, we've had different people, a few, a fair number of people that have been on the show that yeah. have been in and out of or had some issues with with being incarcerated at different times. Yeah. And I always find, like, the idea of meeting someone inside that's into music into punk music, like fascinating, you know? And I think yeah. out of anyone that's been on like MVP meeting the guy from FWA FWA and, yeah. uh, and, and finding the zine pages, uh, yeah. notwithstanding, but this is like definitely like the most legit discovery of like, Oh, you're into the exact same sort of shit that I'm into. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of funny. It's like a movie. It's like someone's writing a movie. You know what I mean? Like, like that is too, convenient mm -hmm. almost mm -hmm. like, um but yeah i just think it's interesting and the idea that he already knew even of Dwayne peters this like reputation as a skateboarder so that's kind of why he was whatever like uh i don't know i, I don't want to say like he wasn't fanboyed about it it didn't seem but um you know i guess i don't know what ages they are respectively i'm guessing they're the same generation but um you know, just the idea that obviously Dwayne Peters being the skateboarder of the era and having trouble and then knowing who he is in prison, but then they become contemporaries essentially. And uh, I've still never heard the Exploding Fuck Dolls. I got to hear that too. Um, is it like what I would expect of a Dwayne Peters style band, or do you, have you heard it? Yeah, like it's a little less I find deliberate, like than his other bands yeah. would be trying to do that style. Yeah, um, and just like a little more like that's where it kind of wound up. Yeah, but yeah, like I, I there are. I think that single's fantastic, cool. and I am looking forward to giving him a copy. Yeah, that's cool as hell, actually. That's a good thing to bring up, because I like that idea. I, I think that that, um, well, of course you have a double, but, you know, it helps. But I just like the idea that he didn't have it, and, like, weirdly, now this interview, <laughs> you can get it for I don't know. that That's part of this show's charm as well. I think you did a great job there, when if and when that happens or whatever. Yeah, like I love the idea of like of uh, you know this show turning people turning up things from people's past, you know, and it could be like Scott Kelly getting some Ottawa Rough Riders gear after he was on the show. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. Um, so anyone else, also please send Scott Kelly Ottawa Rough Riders gear if you want to get in so... touch with me. I can tell you how to get it to him. He's really looking for that stuff still. It's <laughs> so it's so, such a random thing, but yeah, awesome. Um, and then, but then, like, yeah, and, and you know. Fred Armisen, uh, yeah. being able to send him that flyer, 
of the show that he played on, which I believe yeah. Rick Smith sent us. Um, nice. Credit where credit's due on that Shout one. Out. And then, of course, you know, Dave Ackerman today sending us the flyer. Yeah. Of uh, his his show that he played with Husker Du from way back when that he talks about on this podcast. Yes, yes. David up, coming through, of course. And so I forwarded that to him, and he was very excited to get that, too. So coming through in all sorts of ways for Brad Logan. Nice. So someone find recordings of his un, previously unrecorded bands. Yeah, that would be lovely. Live tapes. For sure. I bet we know people that probably, like, if there's anyone that would have these live tapes of these performances, we probably know those people. Or at least know people that know those people. Yeah, you would think. It just, yeah. I don't know. I, I, stranger things have happened on this show. So, yeah, True. who knows. True. Um, do you want to get to another point? Um, well, the only one that's jumping out at me that I have really nothing to say about it, I just thought it was funny that you wrote it down this way, which is the California surfwear punk scene. <laughs> yes well that's what he described it as i know and that might be the best name for the genre that we've heard yeah it's a great visual like immediately if you know what that is it like yeah it, it's a lot of neon oh. weird like patterned shorts uh it's like kind of bizarre hats with weird brims sort of <laughs> uh i guess long boards i sort of i don't even know uh, but yeah, I don't entirely know what he means by it, but uh, I guess it would just, just be that style of clothing that people dress like in the nineties. Yeah. Like when you picture like, like, uh, you know what the people members is like, you know, strung out or, yeah, yeah. or, uh, I'm trying to think of other one of the more California lag wagon, but the lag wagon didn't really dress in the same sort of way. And when I say strung out, I'm mainly thinking about the way the late singer dressed, but like, yeah, just kind of like that California cool it's still, like with arnett it's, sunglasses <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking a little earlier i was doing like more of a cheesy i don't know like a, even like an 80s style like vision weird vision streetwear yeah i think by this point though it would have been like what would have become like yeah you know, no, airwalk right. sneakers and arnett yeah uh, you nailed it with those two uh definitely long shorts of course yeah like shorty uh, shorts yeah like like dark or dog always pile dark, shorts. Yeah. Always dark socks or socks pulled up high. High, yep. Uh it's still it, it's still really it's weirdly a thing still. Like mm -hmm. it not that I don't think it should be, but it's just like if you go out west, it's still yeah, you see that way more prevalently than anywhere else. Yeah, like you from my you experience. Yeah, by Dickies. Yeah, yep, there you go. Counterman yep. shorts. Like I'm sure it's like taken from uh like sort of East LA Latino. Totally. Yep. Uh, Mexican-American kind of like... Yeah, that culture. Low, almost like lowrider culture. Lowrider culture, yeah. yeah like it's, it, but, yeah. but like, but then filtered through that <laughs> yeah. Orange County yeah, surfer weird. punk. <laughs> totally. Aesthetic. I, I don't even like... I'm not like... We're kind of laughing about it because it's just silly to talk about, I guess. But like, yeah. I'm not bagging on it. No, it's not, not my thing. But like, yeah, it is like... It's when every time I've been out there which has been a good amount in my life, as I've been fortunate, as of you. I mean, yeah, every time I've run into it w within the punk scene, you know, that that style. It's, it is, and it's, I, yeah, I'm pretty safe to say, like, it's only there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like there are people that do it a little yeah. bit here and there, like the odd guy, but, like, it's not a thing here. 
at know, all. And, and when you run into that person, no matter yes. where you are in the world, you can talk to them about Pennywise. <laughs> yeah, totally. Or gutter mouth. <laughs> totally. Yes. Exactly. Like I, I remember there's the, the videographer that was on with the Foo Fighters had that style. Yeah. And I'm like, I went up to him and I'm like, yo. And we just started talking Pennywise immediately. <laughs> just like, yep. got you, made you. Yeah. You know, it's like, I guess, the... sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, it's the same way if you see like anyone who's like dressed like a skinhead, you know, non-sketchy type, you can yes. probably talk to him about the business. Yeah, exactly. That's it, it, a good point. It's like a signifier that like, is like this bizarre stereotype, but it, yeah, <laughs> it holds. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, um, yeah, I think like in relation to that real quick, we haven't, I think we should talk at least briefly. Cause I think he emphasized it pretty heavily. Uh, the whole bad religion thing. I know we talked, we kind of did the, we poked fun at that one record earlier, but, um, I'm with him on the idea that, uh, time has kind of, uh, what I, when he said that they were like most important thing for kind of bringing it back and then later sort of the band, the other bands kind of get bigger. He talks about like kind of seeing no effects earlier on and they weren't very good and stuff. I, I definitely like kind of, I'm feeling that. Like, I think that's well, um, well, of course he's stating it and not me and he's much older and he has the, he has the right to state that. I, what's my opinion. But, um, that's the way I kind of always saw things like that they were sort of the band of that thing. And then everyone else slightly came kind of after with take like almost carrying the torch or something. And I feel like in our time right now, they, they're not the one people think of like top of the list of that thing. Uh, no, definitely the window. No. Yeah. And I, like it's bizarre to me though. Isn't that a little strange to you? No, I don't know. I think it all changes. Like I think over time, it's going to change. But what do you, like, I almost think, is it the major label thing is what I'm wondering. You know what I mean? Well, is it those moves that somehow, or is it the longevity? Like, I don't I think, know I what think it, it is. That. I think it's that. I think they got overtaken, like, as far as being the band by, yeah. by like, you know, Green Day, Offspring, and Rancid. Like, it, yeah. when those bands then ultimately, I remember there was, like, a, when Blink-182 brought Bad Religion on tour. Mm. There was like this interview with them, and I think it was like Much Music did it, and they were like, you know, like what about all these, you know, like what do you guys feel about Blink One Eighty Two? You know, because there was at that point, like, I guess you know, Blink One Eighty Two is not like these older punk bands like Green Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were like, well, the Green Day, you know, none of those bands ever took us on tour, and it wasn't oh. like a bitterness, but it was almost like an acknowledgement that, like, I don't know, it wasn't. It was it was a, a, a sort of a weird acknowledgement of these bands that I've in this interview. I'm trying to remember hmm. who, which member had that quote. That's interesting because I never thought of that either. That that because it would seem to me that Green Day would be way more likely if I were to think about it to take Bad Religion on tour than Blink. But I think I they, they would have been too be. close. Like you know, they weren't like part of the same scene. Like Green Day came from like the lookout scene. No, true. I just mean like when the explosion happens. You know, yeah. like they. I don't know. As much like these were never my bad religion was certainly a band I really liked pretty early on as like a certain window of that band. Uh, Green Day was never a band I was really interested in, but it just seemed like Green Day seemed more whatever authentically, you know, as authentic as like that style of a band could be, blowing up and becoming the hugest thing. Like Blink seemed to be more of like a much di almost like a different animal. That's why I'm shocked that 
like to hear that a bad religion member was validating it so much. It's interesting to me. I think Blink-182, though, were more likely bad religion fans. You know, like, it's not like who in Rancid would have been, like, the huge bad religion fan. Yeah, I don't know. Or that's like, an interesting top. Yeah, that's an interesting take. You know, even, like, Offspring. Offspring are kind of, like, not contemporaries with bad religion, because bad religion obviously ran way earlier. But, like, yeah. Offspring's first record's, like, what, 88? It's, yeah, it's, I think 89? it's, like, I'm not sure about 88, but it's definitely, like, in that window. Yeah, so they would have been in like in in Green Day once again from a different scene. Whereas I think Blink One Eighty Two would have probably been influenced by Bad Religion. Yeah, I, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, yeah, you are correct. Well, sli- uh, close. Like Offspring's first record is eighty nine, by the way, on Nemesis, uh, self titled, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that I don't know. It's just funny. I've never thought about these, like these things this way. I just would have never, in my brain, I just never associate, like, Blink with Bad Religion. I think, like, it would, I don't know, in my brain it makes more sense for, like, Green Day. But I get what you mean with, like, yeah, they come from a different scene and whatever, sort of. And I don't know. Anyway, I just thought it was important to kind of talk about them a bit because of how much he sort of did in the interview. On top of, like, the Ransom thing, of course, stuff like that. Yeah, and they were, like, you know... We know, and I talk about this in this one. Obviously, we talk about the and with Millen Colin, like it, it is, it was like changed by Bad Religion. Like Bad Religion was like a a seismic force almost, like their impact on yes. on on different people. But yeah, like I think you're you know time is diminishes all this stuff, and time time also has a weird way of leveling out a topographical kind of differences between things. So everything begins to look like it's all part of one, one scene. Uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas like, you know, when you're far, when you're closer to it at the time, you realize that these things were actually miles away from each other. I think like, I don't know. It's like funny when people like talk to, I had a kid come up to me one time at a show and be like, Oh, Toronto's awesome. Like all you bands are from the same scene. And like, went through this list of <laughs> bands and I'm like, no, we're not yeah. from the same scene. Like we're all friendly, but yes. we're not from yes. the same scene at all. Well, like, I think that's a great way of putting it. Actually, it does. Yeah, it illustrates the point very well. Yeah, like I guess time and like the further removed you are from it too. But like, yeah, I'm always fascinated by like I wonder, I wonder like how No Effects and Pennywise got along. Like obviously very well, but just like they're you know kind of from different scenes but yeah. kind of lumped in together by the warp tour. And, <laughs> yeah. You're right. It's, it's something I when when I was young and had never traveled in like knowing these bands I just was like, yeah, it's like oh, it's all Yeah. It's just all California. Yeah, like yeah. it's like of course it's like a vastly different you know from like north to south and blah blah. Like there's a lot of difference. Like Oxnard is different than the Bay is different than Southern California is mm-hmm. different than whatever San Diego sort of, uh, or whatever. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's just part of it was the way it was marketed to an extent too. You just always thought, I mean, obviously some of that is like epitaph or fat records. It's all kind of put on, put in the same things in that regard, but also, I don't know. Yeah, it's just funny. It's funny growing older and just thinking about this with a little greater clarity 
as an adult and going, yeah, like, why would I ever have thought that way about this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I wouldn't think, like, I don't know. I don't think bands from, like, Montreal are the same as bands from Toronto. I've yeah. never thought that. So why, you know, why would I think so in California? I don't know. It was just, in my brain, it was like paradise or something. So it was just like, oh, they're just all beach and sunny. It's, one, all, yes, you know, it's all the same One yeah. magical, amazing city. Yeah, exactly. All and the then you go to California and there's that. And there's also not that. Yeah. <laughs> Which you learn quickly. <laughs> there's inland like, to coast, it uh, gets real in inland, you know? Yep. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, uh. It's funny because, like, I think these are uh, these are things that also, like, now uh, everyone's a lot closer because of the way we communicate with each other. Yeah. But at the time, I think these distances were even greater. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, yeah, well stated as, like, atypical old guys talking about this stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. But it also, then I find it also weirdly interesting when you have people that are separated by, once again, huge geographical distances that somehow do have that connection mm-hmm. like the neos and the uh the deep wound people for instance yeah yeah that's a good point that's literally coast to coast yeah and i find like it, yeah like i find those sorts of like relationships fascinating um and you know much in the same way that like you know we talked about with the rancid episode like how rancid would build that sort of relationship with sick all and ultimately i guess bring those two eras of punk together yeah, I think even the weirder one is that that's what people know of Rancid as is like kind of that that window came to the came to define that Rancid to people like you know as whatever as their brand or however you want to say it. But you know we know early on, or you know anyone that knows or like like I think like hearing DBS and Rancid were connected kind of for a minute. It's interesting. Yeah. Like, that's like Vancouver to whatever the Bay. Not a huge mm-hmm. amount of distance, but enough. Mm-hmm. And not something that you would think or I would think of immediately if I saw Rancid now. It seems crazy it was even a thing. Yeah, like I think if you look at that, if you look at Let's Go, you know, yeah. and and uh, you just look at those flyers. It's, yeah. You know, and we talked about this on the Lars one with him, but it's like he, they play with every band, like the yeah. best bands of the era. Yeah. Um, like, I actually want to look at it. Someone has Rancid. <laughs> Let's go Flyers. Um, because it's it's really like a who's who. Nope, I got a Rancid. Let's go Philadelphia Flyers thing that came up instead. So. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Did not, <laughs> did not get a list of the flyers that were in the inside of the rancid. <laughs> Let's go record. That's when keywords drive you the wrong direction. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, God. Do they ever. Oh, clicking on it's a little bit better. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there's like, you know, they play with the Veil. They play with, like, the Lunatics. They play with, like, uh, everyone. Bikini Kill. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. I don't remember where we started on this point because I'm getting tired. But me too. <laughs> anyway, me yeah. too, Chris. As I'm now googling aimlessly trying to find pictures of these rancid flyers. Well, I think we could probably wrap it up here. Sure. Um, My brain is uh, slowly uh, turning off, so yeah, it would probably be wise. Same here. Well, that's it for this week's episode, everyone. Uh, Brad will of course be back for a part two. 
Uh, part one this coming week with Craig Finn. And believe me, there has to be a part two after that because it's a little short, but it is killer. It is killer. Nice. Um, so how do they get in touch with us here, Chris? Uh, turn out punk footnotes at gmail.com. All right. And we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>